All right. Well, welcome everybody to Blackhawk Church. Welcome all sites, all venues that are joining us right now. To everyone online who is a part of our church, or maybe you're just checking things out, we're really glad you're joining us. And, uh, and then everybody in the room right now, would you join me in welcoming everybody who's watching right now? So, yeah, yeah. So good to be with you. If I, if I haven't met you, my name is Matt, and I'm one of the pastors on staff and a part of the teaching team. And um, I don't know about any of you, but um, does anyone else feel like this? Christmas feels like a lifetime ago. Anyone else? Like, we're just three weeks from it, and it feels like it was forever ago. So we're into, t- like, you know, what's the date? Yeah, we're more than halfway through January, you know, into 2023. And I don't know about you, but I can be one of those people who like once I'm into 2023, I'm just moving forward and not really looking back. And, uh, and, yet, and yet the thing that I've learned as a, a leader is that it's really good for us to be able to, to pause and to take a look at times at what it is that God's been doing around this place. And I'll tell you, during Christmas time in the month of December, what God did around here was just absolutely amazing. You know, it started off mid-December where, uh, where we, we did our, our live nativity again. And that's something newer to our church, but that we've been doing over the last couple of years. We had over 2,000 people come through the doors of that event to be a part of that evening and to take in the story of the birth of Jesus in a really creative way. And, and then get this, we turned around like right away after that and moved into study day, which we have been doing around here for a long time, where we open up our church to be a study hall. And we had hundreds and hundreds of college students who came through the doors to eat and to study, you know, I mean, study. I'm not so sure how much we help people's GPA with that event, but uh, they love coming. For many students, it's the first time they would tell you they've been like, they've darkened the doors of a church the entire semester. And, uh, and for those two events to happen, look, we, it took us over 500 volunteers just to make those two events happen. And you all, you stepped up. You showed up in all kinds of different ways by like with your time and your resources, your energy for study day with your food. You know, I mean, all the different things that took place in those days, that was just amazing. And then right after that, we started into, well, like Christmas services around here that, uh, that started actually with Blackhawk Downtown. Shout out to Blackhawk Downtown right now on December 21st with their first service that they did down there. And then lo and behold, we live in Wisconsin. We had a little blizzard that changed our plans for a couple days and caused us to kind of pivot and add some more services on to Christmas Eve at our sites. We needed volunteers. We needed people to shift and you all did that and made that happen. And then ending with our service on Christmas day, that was just amazing. Look, all together with our services that we did, we saw over 5,400 people who came through the doors of all of our sites, all of our venues. And then on top of that, over 2,000 different devices that joined us with those services online. I mean, it was just amazing to see what happened. Okay, then something else that took place. We got this little thing that we do around here called Advent Conspiracy, you know, that we've been doing for a long time where we we encourage people to, to spend a little less on each other and to give a little bit more outside the walls of the church. And um, well, that finally closed. We got a total. Anybody interested at all to hear like how we did? 
So we, um, we, this was, this was the final total I was just given this week. You all, you gave $403,474. Come on. I mean, that's, that's unbelievable. And all of that money going outside the walls of the church into all kinds of different ministries and partners that are doing just amazing work here in Dane County, as well as all around the world. And then on top of that, I mean, for a lot of you, you give here on a regular basis, like you give regular tithes and offerings, but, um, you know, we told you that we were kind of behind budget at that time. We asked if you would consider giving an end of the year gift. And so many people just gave generously in that time to help us kind of like close the gap. Now there's still a little bit of a gap, you know, we still haven't. So if you're interested in giving, we would love that. But when I, you know, just standing here as a senior pastor, when I look at the way that our church stepped up in that time, not for the sake of Blackhawk Church, but for the sake of the kingdom and the work that God's doing, man, it's just humbling. And uh, it just makes me so proud of our community and the way that people like gave of their time, gave of their resources, gave of their energy in that particular season to do what we do. And the work that God did around here was just incredible. Some of you, you're sitting here, you know, at all of our sites and venues, you're joining us online because of something you've experienced over Christmas. Welcome, like we're so glad that you're becoming a part of our church community. And so as we get ready to dive into 2023, I just can't tell you how excited I am because of the way that God worked in our church over this past year. And so I just wanna take a minute for us, not just to move forward, but to pause and to say thank you and, uh, and to con- for us just to continue to remember, like, this is not our church. This is God's church. We're his people. And he has plans for the ways that he desires to use us. And so to ask that we would be a church that just continues to move the direction that God desires for us to move. So let's, all sites, all venues, online, all here in the room, let's take a minute to pray together right now. Pray with me. Lord God, thank you. Um, thank you so much for the way that you continue to use our church. It's just, it's just amazing. And um, we're just grateful to play whatever role that you have for us to play in your big story of what you're doing in the world. And so um, as we continue to move forward in 2023, would you continue to give us vision of the ways that you desire to use us individually and the way that you desire to use us corporately in order to make, um, to make your name great? in this community and in the world. And so we give that to you. We thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to be a part of what you're doing. And we pray these, and well, and God, and also um, as we get ready now to open your word and, uh, and to kind of dive into the message, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to the things that you would desire for us to take away from this time, that we would all walk away from this time um, understanding you, knowing you in a deeper, more profound way. And so we thank you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. All God's people together said, amen. So um, when, uh, um, when I was 14 years old, I, uh, I got my, my first paying job. I mean, I, like, I mean, like beyond allowance, you know, it, it, like I finally hit that point. I wanted more than what my allowance was bringing in. And so I decided to apply for a job at a grocery store down south called Publix. I don't know if anybody's heard of Publix. Publix still down there. And uh, um, I got the job of being a bag boy. 
Yes, like classic like first job for many people. Classic job for a lot of different people, being a bagger. How many people, all sites, this is an all skate deal, all sites, all venues, people here in the room. How many of you were a bagger at some point in your life? Yeah, come on, we should start like a community group or something just for baggers who have had that experience. And the reason why I bring that up is because I feel like it's kind of like, uh, like a dying job in some ways. Yeah, I mean, any place you go, you go to any grocery store or Target or places, there are people who will bag your stuff. But now, like at all of these places, you've got self-checkout, right? And I, I think for a lot of us, we use self-checkout at different times. And my guess is when you use self-checkout, for some of you, you've never been trained in the art form of, um, of actually bagging groceries. And so I thought that, you know, I mean, since, you know, I mean, I was a... I was a professional bagger, um, that I could do a little tutorial with you on, uh, on how to properly you know, bag, bag groceries. So, because what I would do, you know, my first day of work, they gave me a green apron, was wearing a shirt and tie, and the checker would send everything my direction. My job was to throw everything in the bag and then put the bags in the cart, take the cart actually out to the car, open the car, put the bags in. It was like above and beyond, people. But for all of you self-checkout, hey, go vote whatever you wanna do. So. <laughs> So anyway, back to bagging, the way that it goes. Okay, now, um, bread. Does bread go on the bottom? Oh, you're good. Some of you have done this before. That's good. Of course it doesn't. No, you're going to smush your bread. So I would always look for like the good foundations, you know? And so like the cans, the non-perishables that you know aren't going to break or something like peanut butter, you know, is pretty good. That's nice and heavy. And, uh, and then you would start to kind of like fill in the corners, you know, of different things, you know, with like a box of cereal, you know, or here I got some taco shells. They're pretty good. And so you get a good base foundation in your bag. And then from there, you start to mess with the more like slightly fragile things. Maybe it's like harder vegetables or different things like that. And then finally you get to the place of where you're putting the bread in, you know, and then like to kind of like get that area on the top and that's where you would put like your bag of chips, you know, or something like that. And that just fits so well right there. And now you've got this perfectly balanced, you know, heavy on the bottom to light on the top bag of groceries. Thank you very much. Round of applause. Yes, thank you. Now, okay, here's one of the things, one of the rules of thumb that they taught me in bagging school, you know, I mean, day one, is that when you're putting stuff in, you don't want to put too much in the bag to where it gets too... Exactly. You do not want this thing when you pick up those handles, you know, to all of a sudden go crashing. How many of you, how many of you have had that experience at some point in your life? Grocery bag just totally bailed on you. Yep. Because when, when the bag breaks, the groceries will fall, you know, and down come all your stuff, raw eggs and all, you know, like we've been there and it's the worst. So well, there you go. Thanks for coming to Blackhawk Church today. Hope this has been helpful for all of you. Um, okay, let me pause there for a minute because, uh, you know, we are in the middle of this series right now that we've been going through called Live This Book. Um, we're about halfway through that series. We started in September. We are going through May where we are looking at the storyline of scripture, Genesis to Revelation. And we're doing it a little different. We're kind of cutting it and on many weeks, kind of like horizontally to where we're able to take a look at some of the main topics, the threads that we see all throughout scripture. And as we've been going through this series, we broke the series up into seven different parts um, in order to take a look at the story. And so we started with God's plan for humanity 
that started off. God creates this world and creates humans, wants to be in relationship with them and has a plan. But then the reality is humans rebel and fall away from God's plan. We don't go that direction. So then what we've been in recently, God chooses a people, a people that are going to be his people that are supposed to be his his mirror image to the world that we live in, that everyone would understand who God is. That's where we've been going up through Christmas and up through this last week where Ben shared a message. But then the reality is, well, God's people rebel. And, and, and so think about that. God's plan for humanity, humans rebel. So God chooses a people, guess what? The people rebel. This week, we are starting into this new section of God's people rebel where we're gonna be looking at that for the next few weeks. And one of the main ways that we see God's people rebel is that when they step into something called idolatry. Idolatry, basically having other gods that we worship other than the one true God. That's the idea of idolatry. And in order to understand this to a deep level, what I want us to do for just a minute actually is to jump back two weeks ago to a message that, uh, that Charles gave on the 10 commandments. Now, for anybody watching online or here in the room, sites and venues, if you did not get a chance to watch that message, you need to go back and check it out. It was fantastic. And I think for a lot of us, it changed the perspective of the way that we see the 10 commandments. Some of us, we've always thought of 10 commandments as like the rules and regulations, but Charles was painting this picture. No, actually it was a culture creator, that set a culture for the mission the people of God were supposed to be on, setting them up to be able to live out God's mission in the world. It was a culture creator. But in order to really understand it and the way that it fits with the fall of God's people, we've got to go back and take a look at the beginning of that. So if you've got your, your Bibles or a device that you look at the Bible on, go back to Exodus chapter 20. And that's where we are going to kick in today, Exodus chapter 20. Let me read for us. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or the earth beneath or the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or, or worship them. It's interesting when we start to think about this, that the, think the first two of the 10 commandments are on this subject of idolatry. Like that should, that should get our attention when we break that down and we think about the idea, 20% of the 10 commandments are on this particular subject of other gods, of idols that we might have in our lives, other things that we might give our attention to and worship. That, that should get our attention. It, like, and, and the reality is, it's as if God knew in some way that this was going to be an issue for us. And the reality is, when we continue in the story of the Israelite people, like we realize this was an issue for them straight out of the gate on this side where they were following Moses. I mean, let's go back in that story for just a little bit. So the Israelite people had been in slavery under the Egyptians for like close to like 400 years. And, uh, and then, and, and as they were there, they were with these Egyptian people 
And they were a part of that culture. They saw people worshiping other gods. The Egyptians, they worshiped particular gods, polytheistic, did not worship God. And this is what they knew. But then all of a sudden, God, God appoints Moses to come and lead the people out of Egypt. Moses shows up, comes to Pharaoh, tells him, let my people go. And then what the Israelites begin to see, like in that time, is like nothing shy of amazing. You know, I mean, as they see the different plagues that happen with the Egyptian people, leading all the way to finally the Egyptian people relent and allow the Israelites to leave. And then as they are traveling, being pursued by the Egyptians, that God parts the Red Sea, you know, and they go through and then it closes on the Egyptian army, destroying the Egyptian army. And then as the people continue traveling, God, like he shows up and continues to lead the people as a cloud during the day and then a pillar of fire at night. I mean, like just... Just think about that. The things that those people were seeing, like it's the type of stuff that we wish we saw in our lives. Some of us who doubt the idea of God, we're like, man, if I could see that stuff, that would take care of those things. They saw this type of stuff. And the pillar and the, the pillar of fire and the cloud, they lead them to the base of Mount Sinai. And finally, Moses goes up the mountain to receive the 10 commandments. That's where this story is all happening. And Moses goes up for a period of 40 days. And during that time, well, the Israelites now they're going, okay, where's Moses? Like, is he still around? Is he still with us? Did something happen to him? Is God still with us in this? And they begin to ask all kinds of questions. And so what takes place? All right, jump forward to, um, to Exodus chapter 32. Exodus 32, starting with verse one. When the people saw that Moses was so long coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron, that's the brother of Moses, and said, come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses, who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them, take off your gold earrings that your wives, your sons, your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. <laughs> I mean, just think about that. What they've seen, what they've experienced. And within 40 days, all of a sudden, they're worshiping idols. Like they've just moved that direction. And so, I mean, we've, uh, for many of us, we've heard the story of the golden calf. It's a figurative image that we use in all kinds of different things within our lives. And, uh, and, and these are the people of Israel. And so as Moses is with God, God's fury begins to burn against the people of Israel. And so Moses comes down. We know this story. Gets furious with the people. And it, the people of Israel then eventually they turn back to God. And what we see take place in that situation is the cyclical process that like a broken record, like on a scratch that continues to play the thing over and over. The people of Israel over and over and over again throughout the rest of the Old Testament fall into this, like this practice of worshiping idols. If you wanna read any of that, just go to the book of Judges. You know, before there was a king, before there was King Saul or King David, and just read the stories of the amount of times that the people, they turn to idols, that doesn't work out, and then they come back to God. Turn to idols, and then all of a sudden, they come back to God. If, if you want to hear it after there were kings, go to the book of 2 Kings, 
and read the stories that take place and just time and time again, we hear these stories of the people of God turning to other idols and then turning back to him. It's a cyclical process. And here's the thing, we can, we can easily look at that type of stuff and we could go, yeah, that's really interesting. And I can't believe that they would do that. And we, for many of us, we can think in our Western world that we live in today, but that's not us. You know, like, we, like we're not following idols. In fact, we can kind of write off those first two commandments that they're not really all that applicable to our lives. I know that in other cultures and other countries, as well as here, there are people who worship other gods and have shrines to gods. But for many of us, we look at it and we go, no, 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 we're too educated. We wouldn't do something like that. We don't have other gods. But the reality is we do. In fact, we, we can make an idol out of, out of anything. That's actually what, what, what God was getting at when he was giving the 10 commandments back in Exodus chapter 20. If you want to thumb back there for a minute, verses four and five, it says, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything. <laughs> the key word there being anything. Like anything, yeah, it kind of means anything. Like anything in our lives can become an idol. Good things. The idea of the idols that we have in our lives is when we, take, when we take good things, like things that God has given us, gifts that God has given us, and we make them into an ultimate thing. In fact, that's kind of the, the, the definition that we're using today. It's a good thing that we make into an ultimate thing. And so those things can be anything in our lives. That can be like your, your work. It could be your family it could be finance. Like we all, I mean, we all think of, we can easily think of the big ones of like sex, money, and power. But really, it can be anything in our lives. Like it can be, it can be financial security for the future. It can be relationships that I have. It can be some, something that I own. And like all of these things, the reality is we get back to the, the foundation of any of them. They're, they're good gifts that God, like good gifts that God has given us. But the, the reality is like, we can so easily turn to this side of making them idols that are within our lives. We take a good thing and we make it an ultimate thing. It's interesting. This is exactly what we see that the Israelites do. If we go back, go back for just a second. If you're looking in your Bibles to, to Exodus chapter three, this is so interesting. I had never thought about this before. When we think of the golden calf, okay, being created, there should be a question that we should be asking. Where did all these slave people get gold. Like you ever stop to think about that? I'd never really stopped to think about that. You know, like these, like people who are in slavery, they don't have a lot of riches. Where do they get enough gold to actually make a golden calf? It's so interesting. When we go back to, okay, to the beginning of the book of Exodus, where we're in this book, okay, Moses has just been appointed by God. And this is the moment where God is talking to Moses at the burning bush and laying out the plan with him of what's gonna take place. And this is what God says for him. He says to him, he says, verse 21 of chapter three, and I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed towards this people so that when you leave, you will not go empty handed. Every woman is to ask her neighbor, any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold and for clothing that we will put on your sons and daughters. So like when we understand, like where did they get this from? Well, God didn't want the people traveling without anything that they might need as far as riches to be able to use in their traveling. 
And so he gave them, he caused the Egyptian people to think favorably of the Israelites. And this was a good gift from God that he had given them. But all of a sudden they take the good gift. They take the good thing and they turn it into an ultimate thing that they begin to worship. This is the same thing that we do with the gifts that God gives us. And the thing is, is like it happens so subtly. Like if, you know, if, if you're with somebody and they're having, you're telling them about your life and somebody turns to you and is like, huh, that sounds like an idol in your life. You'd be like, no, 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 no. That's not an idol. Like, no, I, like, but we don't realize these things, they can, they can work their way into our lives and, and we don't even realize. You know how to tell what the idols are in your life? What are the things that you, that you spend your time on? What are the things that you, um, that you spend your emotional energy thinking about? Like, what are the things that occupy your brain? What are the things that you spend your money on? You know, and all of a sudden, and when we start to look at those, all of a sudden we can, we can realize that we can take some of these things that are good things that God gives us and turn them into ultimate things. It's kind of like, okay, let me see if I can, uh, if I can play this out just a little bit. Let's say that these grocery bags are, are, are some of the good things in our lives. Okay, so we've got career. You know, I mean, your work. Let's say that you moved here to Madison, okay? You moved here to Madison for a particular job and you love your job. You know, I, like, like it's a perfect fit for you. It's a gift from God. You, you love the stuff that you do. It fits you and you feel like in some way, like you're making some type of difference in society. Like it's a good thing. Or let's say, um, let's say your home. Like you just, you love your home. Your home is amazing. Regardless if you own it or if you've rented, you just have this ability to create space, you know, and create a warm environment to people come into. You've got Pinterest boards all over the place of the thoughts and ideas of what it is that you want to create. And you just love creating that type of environment. It's a good thing. Or, okay, let's keep going. Let's say that, let's say that maybe... Maybe it's money for you. Money is just something that, like you've never had a hard time making money and it's something that comes easy for you. Or let's say um, it's your image. Like people, like when they're around you, they just, they respect you and like you and they want your opinion on things. Maybe it's, I mean, maybe you've got a big social media following or maybe just in your neighborhood, people like being around you. You have a good image. Let's say it's your family. You love your parents you love your kids, you know, you love your siblings, like you've just got a good thing going and it's, it's an incredible gift that you have. Or let's say, um, let's say appearance. Appearance is one that you might have. You're just a naturally good looking person. In fact, if you wanna know, turn to somebody next to you and just ask them if you're good looking right now. No, 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 don't do that. So you're just like, and maybe it's just the way that you dress. You care a lot about your appearance and the way that you look. Maybe you work out a lot because you want to have a particular look that you're going for. And that's just something that you care deeply about. It's a good gift. Um, sex. Lo and behold, people, sex is a gift from God. So that, like, that's an idea that is in scripture. Maybe it's your, maybe it's your abilities. You know, you just, you're naturally gifted at something. Like you're a musician, you play a particular instrument and from the, like from day one, it's always just come easy for you. Or um, you're, you're really good with math 
and, and with numbers and finances, and it's just come easy for you. Maybe you're a natural leader. Maybe you're good at a particular sport, football, basketball, volleyball. It has just come natural to you. You have particular abilities. And you see, like, we could, think about this. We could fill the stage right now. I thought about all sites and venues, putting paper bags underneath everybody's chairs right now. You know, it's like Oprah, you get a bag and you get a bag. And like, and we could just fill all the stages with all the different things like that. We could have so many that are good gifts. But the, and, and like with these good gifts, like they, they can hold some weight. You know, like, like think about it. Like with these things in our lives, like they bring us, they bring us some joy. They bring, like, they bring good feelings and satisfaction. They're gifts that we're supposed to enjoy. But there's a problem that happens when we take a good thing and we turn it into an ultimate thing. Where I begin to, so like, let's say, okay, let's just go with career. Let's say with career, that that, that that becomes an ultimate thing in my life to where I look at it to be able to carry my identity. So my work is not just what I do, it's who I am. And let's say that another one, let's say um, I look to my, uh, my fulfillment in my career. I'm not gonna be fulfilled unless I climb the ladder enough to have this particular position. When I get there, then I'll feel fulfilled in my life. And that's another way that we go. Or um, security. My job, man, there's a certain pay grade that I feel like I need to get. And once I get to that place and I see that coming in, then I'll feel safe and secure for the future. And that's another one. We can look, like our career, it can be the thing that gives us ultimate purpose in the world that we live. Like it can be, it can, our job can be the thing that gives us like hope like we just gained so much from it. It can be the thing that gives us joy, you know, with the way that we do things and we love it. And so we put, we, we add all of this stuff into this particular bag. You see where this is going. <laughs> and all of a sudden, what are we doing here? We, we are asking this, this gift from, to go from being a good thing to an ultimate thing. We look to it for everything in our lives. And as soon as we do that, when we do this, we are asking a gift from God, it becomes an idol. And we are asking it to carry a weight that it was never created to carry. And when the bag breaks, <laughs> Well, our lives start to fall. You see, when the bag breaks, well, how do we feel? Well, we're disappointed, frustrated, depressed, confused, angry. We can get angry at God. God, my career, that was my thing. Like you created me for it. How, I thought, you, I thought you loved me. I thought you were a good God. God's going, yeah, I did. I gave it to you as a gift. I just never wanted it to be God in your life. You see, and when the, the bag breaks, think about this. When we, when we don't get the promotion, when we don't get the raise, when we don't have the relationships, when we don't have the spouse, when we don't have the family, when we, like the bag breaks. <laughs> but, but flip side is the bag breaks when we do get the promotion, 
And when we do have the spouse and we do have the family and we do have the finances and all of a sudden we realize that thing, it does not satisfy us the way that we thought it was going to. And the bottom falls out. Reality. It's not if we have these things in our life. It's, <laughs> it's how many of them. Like we all, all sites, all venues, watching online, every one of us, doesn't matter where you're at spiritually, we all have this stuff. We all have idols. It's just reality. You know, you, you want to hear about some of mine? Okay, let's, um, let's go down the line. What do we got? So many to choose from. Okay, here's one. Image. <laughs> like I am a person who cares deeply about what other people think about me. I've always been that way. Like, I, like, I want to be everybody's best friend, you know, and I mostly, I just want to make sure that nobody doesn't like me. And, and, and so it's the way that I live. I want you to think that I'm a good pastor. I'm a good leader. I'm a good dad. I'm a good husband. I'm a good friend. But the problem is, like, when I put all of the weight of these things into this bag, it is never going to hold. And what do I do at that moment? Well, if you all seem like you're feeling good, you come up to me afterwards, great, great sermon, pastor, way to go. You know, like, I feel all good. And if nobody comes up to me, I'm like, man, do I, I must be, that, that's awful. I'm doing horrible in life. What have I done? I have all of a sudden just placed my joy, happiness, satisfaction, fulfillment on the whims of other people's opinion who might, I might not even know. That's one for me. And I got, like, how much time you got? You want to hear others? I mean, sex, I've talked about, I mean, my struggle with porn in the past where I was taking a good thing and making it an ultimate thing. That's ultimately what takes place. Like, I, I, family, yep. Money, yep. You know, I, I mean, go down the line. Appearance, yep. Ability, yep. All of that. Like, they're all struggles. So here's my question. Which ones are they for you? <laughs> room's been really quiet for a little while. I don't know if it is in other sites and venues, but it's feeling really quiet in here. What is it for you? Because it's, it's, it's not if, it's how many. So here's my, here's my question with this. What do, we, what do we do about these things? What I wanna do for just a minute, I just wanna move towards some practical ideas of how we deal with the struggle of, of idolatry, of taking good things and making them ultimate things. And, uh, you know, the, the first one that, I mean, I wanna, I wanna move towards, they're all three. I tried to make it cute and, uh, and had them all start with ours. The first one is really, we realize the problem. Like we just named them. What are those things for you? What are the areas for you that you struggle in? That would be a great thing to take some time just to think through and pray through this week. Spend some time with God just going, God, just show me. What are the things that I struggle with? You know what's another great way to find out? My guess is for a lot of you, you're sitting next to somebody who probably knows a lot of your idols. They may have been already elbowing you during the service, you know, at a few different points. You know, have a conversation. Like, are you, are you in a community group? My wife and I were in one we're going to be meeting tonight. My guess is, is that, you know, we don't lead it, but we're in it. And I'm guessing that our leaders, Matt and Amanda, are going to probably lead us this direction in talking about our idols tonight. Who are you talking with? It's good to name them. There's actually this great passage of scripture in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 44. Write it down. You've got to read it later. And Isaiah is talking, to, is talking for God to the people of God about this subject of idols. He gets really 
really sarcastic telling this story of a woodworker who cuts down a tree and he uses, he uses some of the wood to, um, you know, like make a fire to keep them warm and to make food over. And then part of it he uses to make an idol that he's going to worship. It's this whole story, super sarcastic. And at the end of it, this is what, this is what, uh, this is what is said. This is what Isaiah says. He says, no one stops to think. No one has the knowledge or understanding to say, half of it I use for fuel. I even baked bread over its coals. I roasted meat and I ate. Shall I make a detestable thing from what is left? Shall I bow down to a block of wood? Such a person feeds on ashes. A deluded heart misleads them. He cannot save himself or say, is not this thing in my right hand a lie? I love what it says in verse 19. No one stops to think is the thing in my right hand. This good thing, trees are good things. Have I turned it into a lie? What does it look like just to stop and name them? Just realize what they are. And then we go to number two. Number one is realize. Number two is repent. Now, repent is, repent is such a churchy word, isn't it? We, we get this idea like, yeah, okay, I'm supposed to feel bad and feel sorry and remorseful for that. Actually, the idea of repent is that we turn from. So I am moving this direction, and now I'm turning and I'm moving this direction. That's the idea of repent. It's saying, yep, I'm going to put my hope in my home. You know, I am going to put all of these bricks that direction where I go, nope, I'm not going to do that. I am not going to put those bricks. I am going to allow this to be a good thing without being an ultimate thing. That's the idea of repent. And then there's a third one. Because we can't just, we've named them and we've turned away from them, but what, we, we have to have something to turn to. And so the third one is we rely. We rely on God. We realize that God is the only one who can fulfill. God is the only one who can satisfy. God is the only one who can meet our needs. God is the only one who can satisfy us and give us an identity and do all the things with these bricks that actually need to happen. He is the only one who can do that. You know, it's, uh, it's kind of like this. Hang on one second. guessing you see where this is going, you know? <laughs> hey, I'm your money. I'm going to take care of all your needs and all those things. La, 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 la. Hope. Joy. Purpose. Fulfillment. Security, identity. Let me ask you, does this thing look like it's trying real hard right now? Is he like, do you see the difference? God's the one who comes to us and says, I have all the power in the world and I love you. And so would you be people who look to me to be the one who can truly meet your needs. The people of God are supposed to be people who are marked by the idea of allowing God to be God. How are you doing with that? 
There's a great passage of scripture, Psalm 103, where King David, it says these words, praise the Lord, my soul, forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins? Who heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from the pit? and crowns you with love and compassion? Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles? You see, God, he's able to carry this stuff and it's not even difficult for him in any way, shape, or form. And he's just saying, so will you allow me to be God? How do we do that? I'm gonna give you another really churchy answer. You know, it's practice. And so we move towards things like spiritual practices in our life, spiritual disciplines, you know, which just sound like the answer for everything. But I mean, this is not rocket science. Uh, Spending time in God's word. Are you spending time like just at some point during the day in passages like Isaiah 44 or Psalm 103 or these passages in Exodus just reminding us of how great God is? Are you... Prayer, like are, are you taking time just to pray, to honestly just pour out your heart to God of the, of the things that you've been given and the ways that they're working in your life that, man, you might just be able to connect with him. You'll be able to be honest about the things that you're struggling with, what's really going on. He knows it anyway, are you praying? Are you, are you spending time with other believers? Like I mentioned my community group which is just a group of people. We just get together and none of us are perfect and we all have questions and struggles and all of that stuff and messed up lives. And yet we come together and we come after God together and we do that in community. You have that? If you don't, you need to. You need people like that in your life. Worship. Times like this where we gather, where we're just able to, whatever site or venue that you're in, just to be able to worship God together. And there is something powerful about worshiping God corporately in person together. Serving, you serving anywhere? Are you getting outside of the world of your own issues and able to dive into the lives of other people inside or outside the church? You see, all of these things, it's not rocket science. They move us towards the heart of God. They remind us of how great God is, that he's one who desires, man, to meet our needs, to satisfy the things in our life, to to fill us in a way that all of these bags will never be able to. And can I just be honest about one more thing? Like this deal, (laughs) welcome to the struggle of the rest of your life. This will always be an issue. Like how, how how do we take the good things, the good gifts that God has given us, those good things, and not allow them to become ultimate things? It will always be a wrestling match where we come back to this place of remembering time and time again the goodness of God, that we allow him to be God and these to be gifts. You see, when we do that, we find the type of life that God desires for us to live. So where are you at? My encouragement for you this week, realize, name them, (laughs) like repent, turn from them and rely on God. Turn to him knowing he's the one who can carry everything that you have. Let me pray for us. God, thank you. Thank you so much that you, uh, you're a God who you, you put up with us. You, 
you meet us in this place of the, the, <laughs> the gifts that you give us and we try to turn them into idols. We try, like we, we worship them in some ways. God, we just ask forgiveness for that. And would you help us to be people? Would you open our eyes to the places in our lives where we do that and sell ourselves short? Would you help us to be people who turn to the strength and power and love that you are and you have for us? that we might find our true satisfaction, identity, fulfillment, security, hope, joy in you. We thank you, Father. We pray these things in Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen.